use those critical thinking skills. Welcome to Medically Unbiased. Welcome to the new dystopia in 2021, and welcome to Medically Unbiased. My name is Tyler. I'll be your host for the rest of the hour, hour and a half we'll be talking here. I have a loaded show. I'm talking tons of data, tons of information. I know it's been a while since we spoke, but I think it's important that we bring this uh, information that I've found to you. And you guys have all seen it because it's been all over the news, but I think it's important to break down the details of all the information. So I'm going to try and do that for you over the next uh, little bit. So again, it's been a while since we've all talked, and it's been a while since you've heard me on the podcast, and I apologize. I'm not uh, trying to be hiding out from anybody or not putting out uh, data, but there's a lot to it, so I want to try and compress what's happened over the last month and a half to you know to now and see if we can talk about it. So it's important you listen to this clip. Here's cut, here's, here's cut one. state gave another update today on the coronavirus here in Michigan. Over the past three days, another 881 people have tested positive for the virus. 16 people have died. Michigan's vaccination rate is stuck at just over 62 percent. The slowing rate of vaccinations has health officials worried about a surge nationwide. This is becoming a pandemic of the unvaccinated. A pandemic of the unvaccinated. Vaccinated. America enters a so-called pandemic of the unvaccinated. The only pandemic we have is among the unvaccinated. And, that, and, they're, and they're killing people. So unvaccinated people are killing other people. Did you hear that? Joe Biden just said that unvaccinated people are killing other people. So I, it, it's gotten to be a weird discussion about covid okay so when they say a pandemic of the unvaccinated what they're trying to say is that because people are not vaccinated other people are going to die so it's your fault that these other people are dying essentially the unvaccinated people are running around with submachine guns and uzis and are just blatantly murdering other people none of that's true i don't believe any of that however that seems to be the case studies show that 40 percent of patients that are hospitalized for COVID have previously been vaccinated. Now notice that this is all about the vaccine. There's nothing discussed here that has anything to do with patients who've recovered from COVID. So if you've recovered from COVID, studies have shown that you're more apt to be, you know, healthier than a vaccinated person and not you're less likely to get like one in 10 is the rate. So you're, 10 out of 100 people that get COVID that have either been vaccinated or previously have recovered from COVID, only 10 of those will have recovered. The other 90 will have been vaccinated. Well, that's not what the CDC director says. The CDC director says this. There is a clear message that is coming through. This is becoming a pandemic of the unvaccinated. We are seeing outbreaks of cases in parts of the country that have low vaccination coverage because unvaccinated people are at risk. 
and communities that are fully vaccinated are generally faring well. The good news is that if you're fully vaccinated, you are protected against severe COVID, hospitalization and death, and are even protected against the known variants, including the Delta variant circulating in this country. If you are not vaccinated, you remain at risk. And our biggest concern is that we are going to continue to see preventable cases, hospitalizations, and sadly deaths among the unvaccinated. Lastly, I want to reiterate the importance of getting fully vaccinated. I want to reiterate that people who got the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines are most effective, especially when against the Delta variant, when given as two shots in a series. Both vaccines are most effective two weeks after the second dose, with each exceeding 90% effectiveness against severe disease, hospitalization, and death in real-world studies. Not completing the series puts those partially vaccinated at risk of illness. We encourage that people get vaccinated on schedule three or four weeks after your first dose. But if you are beyond that window, I want to reiterate, there is no bad time to get your second shot. So there's no bad time to get the second shot. None whatsoever. No bad time. Um, There's a lot to unpack there. So according to the CDC director, you are protected against all variants. You're protected from everything. COVID-19, Sasquatch attacks, random bouts of explosive diarrhea. I mean, you're protected from everything if you get vaccinated. I mean, just just get vaccinated, people. So that being said, L.A. County in California on July 17th reinstituted mask mandates for all people indoors, regardless of vaccination status. Now, the CDC director just stated that if you're vaccinated, you're not going to get anything. You'll never die. You're invisible, invincible. You can't can't be killed. Bullets won't hurt you. No problems. But the CDC director didn't tell us that vaccines protect us. Um. Oh yeah, she did tell us that they protect us from the Delta variant. So LA has no reason to mandate masks again. So why the masks? Also, according to COVID19.ca.gov. Over 11 million people have been vaccinated in L.A. alone, which is like 90% of L.A. So, yeah, I don't understand. They've done studies, you know, 60% of the time it works every time. That doesn't make sense. (laughs) So, if I told you to sit at home away from other people for a year, but you need to put your thumb in your butt, deep in your butt, like, bowling ball style all the way to the palm every single day you have to do this and if you do you won't get covid so reluctantly you do it you sit at home with your thumb all the way buried in your butt and uh now it's a year later and you don't have covid and you're out buying groceries in los angeles and the mandate comes back about putting your thumb in your ass to prevent covid except Not that staying at home part, just the thumb and the butt part. So to be a good, compliant, non-questioning disciple of the regime, uh, you go back to that tried and true method of COVID prevention that you practiced for an entire year. And you proceed to put your thumb in your butt um, to prevent the spread of COVID. Does that make any sense? Uh, 
I know this wasn't a thumb in the butt issue, but does it make sense that you're going to do what they say to do? So if you're saying yes, that makes sense, then maybe my show's not for you. Maybe you shouldn't be listening. Because this is a critical thinking show, and I think you need to be seeing the lunacy of the mask mandate for vaccinated people. The, ma- the mask mandate I've never liked anyway. Let's face it. I mean, previous podcasts will tell you that I hated the mask mandate from the beginning. But now it's gotten out of hand. So according to research done by a company called the Rand Corporation and research in conjunction with researchers from the University of Southern California, they performed an analysis of 43 countries and the medical value of lockdowns sheltering in place, which is the other component of the thumb in the butt ideology. So their study was published in June in the National Bureau of Economic Research. And it shows that not only did the shelter in place order have no net effect on COVID, they quote, fail to find that um, they call them SIP or shelter in place policies saved lives. To the contrary, we find a positive association between shelter in place policies and excess deaths we find the following implementation of shelter in place policies with the we find that following the implementation of shelter in place policies excess mortality increases end quote so we as practitioners treat illness once seen right once we see an illness we treat it and if we just shelter people in place when they have an illness they're going to die we showed you that in a previous podcast that the numbers went up But the numbers didn't all go up in COVID. The numbers went up in all areas of death. Cancer, heart disease, diabetes, stroke. I mean, numerous other areas. So if doctors and nurse practitioners and physician's assistants and nurses and medical staff treat illness immediately, um, the more often than not, we'll begin treatment on you like right as you show up in our office. It doesn't matter if it's a quick care, an ER, or an actual office. So, in fact, I can't think of a time where we never treated a patient early until COVID, which is something that had been bothering me since the beginning of this pandemic, and I didn't really know how to articulate it till now. I watched a, a show about a doctor was talking about pre-treatment, and it made so much sense to me. Because like if you come in with a stomach ache, we're going to treat you. Whether it's an x-ray to see if you have a blockage or something. Or, you know, did you get injured? Is there an injury there? Or do we give you some emodium? Like, what do we do? Do you have a kidney infection or a kidney stone? We don't just send you home and go, good luck. You know, we'll, we'll treat you. We'll give you some medications, some payments. You know, if you had pneumonia, we're going to give you some antibiotics. We've never, in the history of medicine waited until you were so sick that you needed hospitalization before we acted. That's just been awkward since the beginning of this. And uh, it always has been. Since the beginning of the 2020 pandemic nonsense, it didn't make sense to me. So the problem is now is that if you treat pre-treat somebody with hydroxychloroquine or ivermectin or um, any medicines... For COVID, you'll be chastised and shunned. I don't understand this. But that's what's happening. So why did we, as a medical group, a scientific medical you know, society, why did we tell people to go home and wait when they got COVID? We didn't start any treatments or pre-treat with anything like hydroxychloroquine or ivermectin, which have been shown that work. 
Um, we were even prevented from doing so. In March of 2020, the state of Nevada sent out letters threatening providers that if they prescribed hydroxychloroquine or other medication to treat COVID early, that they were not approved by the FDA and the CDC, there would be penalties. So there was no study about the effects of hydroxychloroquine at that time. It was just hypothesized that it would work. And in a pandemic-type situation, if you think back to 18 months ago, that's what you do. You throw stuff at the wall and see what sticks. You try it with other meds. You just try different things. You do things that are off-label. Too many times prescribers, doctors and nurse practitioners and PAs write a med off-label for treatment of some disease. Like right now, there's an injectable medication for type 2 diabetes, but they're using it to treat obesity. There's a study out that you can't even have diabetes and try this med, and it'll help you with weight loss. But, but because the study, nobody can actually have type 2 diabetes in the study to see if it's effective. So it's a drug to treat diabetes, but they're secondarily using it to treat obesity. Again, that's off-label. That's not how it was designed. It's not how it was approved. Now, they're doing a study to see if it's functional. They got the approvals for the study from the FDA, but the point here is that it's being used off-label. So why couldn't we use a very safe medication off-label early in the pandemic? Um, yeah, doesn't make sense. So um, there was a retracted article in the Lancet back in May of 2020. I don't know if you remember, but the authors stated that hydroxychloroquine was independently associated with an increased risk of de novo ventricular arrhythmia during hospitalization and an increased risk of hospital mortality than those who did not get the medication. Now, that paper did more to damage the potential utilization of hydroxychloroquine than anything out there. Now, that was published in The Lancet May of 2020. It's been retracted since. But think back. In March of 2020, which is two months before May, we were already being told we couldn't use hydroxychloroquine. Then this paper came out. Now, this paper was written by uh, and funded by a company called Surgisphere, which is a small, I, found, I did some research on it, a small Chicago-based company. It was operated by a man named um, Sepan Desai. Desai and his co-authors, there was a cardiologist, Mandeep Metra of Harvard University, and um, Brigham and Women's Hospital, Frank Ruchiska, I'm probably butchering that name, of the University of Hospital of Zurich, and um, Amit Patel, who's an adjunct faculty member at the University of Utah. The last three in that group requested an audit of the data submitted by Surgisphere because they did not believe the data set that they received. So they co-authored a paper and then secondarily thought, wait a minute, the data doesn't match up. Something's not right. So they asked for a, an audit of all that data. So Surgisphere did not supply the, the appropriate data. So because of that, the Lancet had to remove that stuff, that information from their <laughs> From their published paper. So a search of publicly available material suggests that several of Surgisphere's employees 
have little or no data or scientific background. An employee listed as a science director appears to be a science fiction author and a fantasy artist whose professional profile suggests writing is her full-time job. Another employee listed as marketing executive is an adult model and events hostess who also acts in videos for organizations. Really? These are the people who submitted this paper to the Lancet. Okay. The company's LinkedIn page has like a hundred followers and supposedly had six employees at the time that this research was done. Uh, Last time I looked, I think it said there's only three employees, but it was a while ago. So while Surgisphere claims to run one of the largest and fastest hospital databases in the world, it has no online presence. It has Twitter, but very few people are on it. It has no posts between October 2017 and March of 2020. There's no posts on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram. Like, it's the largest database, and it doesn't do anything on the Internet. So the time of this article, the Get In Touch link on Surgisphere's homepage redirected to a WordPress template for cryptocurrency website, raising questions about how hospitals could easily contact the company to join its database. Again, this is a shell sham company. This is BS. This, these people are not, this isn't a real thing. Um, in fact, the guy who runs it, Desai, was named in three medical malpractice suits unrelated to this database problem. And in, in an interview with the scientist, he, Desai said the allegations were unfounded. But it's funny, there's three medical malpractice suits on top of this weird story. Um, yeah, I mean, Desai, the guy who runs it's just... Uh, hot mess. Uh, his Wikipedia page has been deleted. Um, you know, there's a there's a, a big hoax I think here. So I'm curious why there's no lawsuits stemming from this hoax. There should be lawsuits against Surgisphere and against the Lancet for publishing this data, which potentially harmed. I think you could make the legal argument that it harmed people because they didn't get the medications because this fake company in Chicago lied and said that hydroxychloroquine was creating ventricular arrhythmias and killing people, which we all know now is absolute bupkis. Not true at all. So think about this a moment. The government said we couldn't prescribe hydroxychloroquine in March. A false study was published in May of 2020. And then in June, we find out that hydroxychloroquine actually does work because there was a large-scale retrospective analysis of 2,541 patients that were hospitalized between March 10th of 2020 and May 2nd of 2020. This was done by Henry Ford Medical. So across its six hospitals, through a six-hospital system. And the study found that 13% of those treated with hydroxychloroquine alone died compared to 26.4% not treated with hydroxychloroquine. So hydroxychloroquine improved outcomes in the study with no negative side effects. 
it says, in, in addition to that, it says, none of the patients had documented serious heart abnormalities. However, when patients were monitored for heart condition routinely, pointed to as a reason to avoid drugs as treatment for COVID-19. Um, let's see, wait, patients, how's that read? Patients were monitored for a heart condition routinely and pointed to as a reason to avoid the drug as treatment for COVID-19. That's a weird statement in that document. Oh, 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 I'm sorry. I, I've read this totally wrong because there's a semicolon in there. So none of the patients had documented serious heart abnormalities. And what they're saying is that they monitored every patient for heart conditions because of the damn Lancet study that was pointed to as a reason to avoid the drug. So excuse me for misreading the, the statement here, but... Nobody had any problems with this med. So now that study was published in the International Journal of Infectious Diseases. It was peer-reviewed. It's open access. It's online. You can find it in the isid.org. But Trump, the orange man, said hydroxychloroquine is good, so it must be bad, right? I just don't understand the overt suppression of physicians who want to treat their patients with a med that's now purposely been shown to work. Why? Why was it stopped? You know, was it to make more people sick? That'd be, that'd be the negative thought process there. Or was it to prevent lawsuits if the med didn't work? I mean, that's the, you know, cover your ass version of it. But what would the government, why would the government try and make people sick on purpose? I don't think they would. I really, I have a hard time believing that they would do that. Um, I don't want to think that because it's a scary thought anyway, but I don't think they would. Um, but there's really no reason for government oversight to prevent doctors from being doctors and prevent medical practitioners from being medical practitioners. I just, I don't know. It doesn't make sense to me that that's the case. So, well... Let's move on to headlines. Let's see if we got the headlines. The new headline intro. So, current news stories. About a week ago, Texas legislators, bunch of Democrats, but it doesn't matter, Texas legislators, state legislators, left Texas on a private jet and flew to D.C. Now, these people... There's 20-some of them on the plane. They have been in the news for various reasons. Republican news says, oh my gosh, they left, and I don't care about the politics. Let's let's squash the politics for a minute. Let's look at the medical ramifications of them doing what they did. So on Republican news sites like Fox, you'll hear, oh my God, they didn't wear masks on the airplane. Well, I'm fine with that. I don't care because... They're on a private jet. They all knew each other, and they've all been vaccinated. So what does it matter? So let's look at the facts of what happened. Because within this group, five people, I think five or six people now, six may be positive, five people were positive for COVID. So let's look at the medical facts, because everyone's saying they didn't wear masks on the plane, and that's why they got Well, they've been vaccinated. So what happened? Um, yes, they're on an airplane, no mask. We've went over that. The entire group was vaccinated early in March of this year. So they've all received their shots. It's now July. 
They're well past their second shot. Um, five people in the group were tested positive for COVID-19 Delta variant. None of them were hospitalized and none of them have died, by the way. Let's just clear that up. So Fox, CNN, MSNBC says they're out. none of them wore masks on the plane and the airplane mask wearing is the only reason for us common, low-class, ordinary, proletariat dregs who are poor and inferior to the upper class. You know, private jet traveling lawmakers of our great society. That That's why they got COVID. Because, you know, they didn't wear masks like the rest of us poors. But nobody, and I mean nobody, has proven that these people obtained their COVID status because of the airplane. They flew to D.C., they made a stop before DC. I'm not sure where. I don't know if they deplaned or got off the plane and got back on. I don't know what they did. If they just got fuel and then left again, I have no idea. So they're in DC. They're speaking to hundreds of people. One of the guys was saying that he had fans waiting for him at the airport. So were they shaking people's hands? Were they, you know, did, did they wash their hands? We haven't even gone over that, right? So did they wash their hands? What do they want? Did they wash hands after they went to the restroom? Was there some people having sex on the airplane? Like, I don't know. I'm totally just hypothesizing stuff, but everyone just jump into the mask thing. I don't think it was the lack of masks that caused this. I don't think masks would have prevented it. I'm saying these people got their variant, their Delta variant, but nobody's researched where. They just jumped to the mask conclusion because it's easy. It's convenient. Right? So... Again, nobody's dead. Uh, so they got the so the vaccinated people got Delta variant, according to the CDC. Remember, we listened to her a little bit ago. She said that you couldn't; it would protect you, right? Protect you from Sasquatch attacks and you know COVID and Delta. But they got Delta, so hmm, weird. So who didn't wash their hands? Who licked their fingers to turn a page after touching a door handle? Um, they have sex with somebody or each other during the trip. They drink from, they all had a case of like Miller Lite on the airplane. Was that contaminated with COVID? So nobody's answering those questions. Uh, and then my biggest question is vaccines work. Why don't they work? So if the vaccines work, why isn't working? Maybe it did work. Maybe it prevented the other 15 people from getting the Delta variant and it prevented the PNZ who got the Delta variant from dying. So maybe it did work. I don't know. But nobody's talking about it. You're not allowed to talk about it. If you post it on social media, it'll get deleted or spammed or fact check or whatever. So so the news media outlets are saying that these people spread it to each other, meaning that one person, like if you're on the plane, right, and you gave it to each other, one person would have had to have it to start with and then spread it to everybody on the plane. But nobody checked the pilot or I'm assuming there was a you know, potentially a stewardess or a flight attendant on the flight. Uh, I don't know if he or she was checked or quarantined or assessed for having been, I don't know. Something doesn't make sense, right? So when you add up all of the potentials and all of the realistic things you would do in a real-world scenario to assess how you caught something, none of that shit is being done here. None of it. It's just... They didn't wear masks. That's why they got. Well, no. Was it in the air? Was it just floating? COVID Delta floating in the air in the plane. And so if you didn't mask up the minute you entered the airplane, 
you're going to get it. Dead person on arrival sucks to be you. You're going to have COVID Delta and you're going to die. Only nobody's dead. So again, do they have comorbidities? Are these, there were some fat people in that group. There were some minorities in that group. I mean, are they more susceptible? I, no one's answering this question. It's really frustrating to me. Um, why don't we ask questions? Scientists ask questions. Why does it work? Why doesn't it work? What may here? Not the case. So I guess it may not actually be a mask problem. Maybe it's a society problem here. Uh, I don't know. Okay. Story two. Former Obama Administrative uh, Health and Human Services Secretary Kathleen Sebelius said last week on CNN's Out Front show that we're in a situation where we have to widely, we have a widely effective vaccine. Let me quote this properly. Quote, we're in a situation where we have a widely effective vaccine, multiple choices, lots available, free of charge, and we have folks who are just saying, I won't do it. I think that it's time to say to those folks, that's fine. If you won't choose to get vaccinated, you may not come to work. You may not have access to a situation where you're going to put my grandchildren in jeopardy. She doesn't care about her kids, just her grandkids. Where you might kill them or you might put them in a situation where they're going to carry the virus to someone in a high-risk position. Wait, high-risk people I thought got the vaccine. Anyway, she continued, quote, that's, I think, the point where we are. Is freedom is freedom is one thing. It says that's I think the point where we are. Freedom is one thing, but freedom when you harm others like secondhand smoke and issues that we've dealt with and very clearly in the past, like you can't drive drunk. Well, you're impaired. You're physically impaired, mentally impaired when you're drunk. Jesus, this woman's an idiot. Anyway. She goes on and she says, you can drink, but you can't drive drunk because you can injure other people. Uh, so just not being vaccinated means that you're instantly going to kill people. That's what she's equating the two to. That's the straw man fallacy argument she's making here. So essentially, if you don't get vaccinated, you're driving drunk. Same thing. You are that risky of a human being in her mind. Um, it says, she says you can't smoke inside of a public place where you can give cancer to someone else in spite of that never having been a smoker. Well, you can, there are bars and there are restaurants and there are places still available in this country. There are less, many, many, many facilities less for than that, but there's still places you can smoke indoors. Um, so I, I mean, even airports have indoor stopping points where you can still smoke in their smoking areas. And if you're a non-smoker, you can go in there, talk with your friend while they're smoking. So, again, she's wrong. She's absolutely an idiot. <laughs> uh, they're coming for your papers and your vaccinations. No matter what the reason, if you're not getting vaccinated, it doesn't matter if you're already infected and you've recovered or you've been vaccinated or you haven't. They want to know. The government wants to know. Okay, story three. Uh, there's this whole joints for jabs thing, which I find hilarious. So in Olympia, Washington, this was an article I found. And then they did it here in Vegas, too. So it's not just a Washington thing. It's all over. But in an effort to support COVID-19 vaccinations, they state that the Liquor and Cannabis Board, 
announced that it would provide temporary allowance to state-licensed cannabis retailers to provide one joint to adult consumers who receive a vaccination at an in-store vaccination clinic. Are you freaking kidding me? Anyway, the LCB, or the Liquor and Cannabis Board, has provided dozens of allowances for alcohol and cannabis licenses throughout the COVID pandemic, an effort to support businesses during the restriction period and to support the vaccine effort. Most recently, is provided for an allowance for a beer, wine, or cocktail to provide it to be provided at no cost for those vaccinated by June thirtieth. I like that shit. Just just doesn't make any sense. I mean, you're gonna provide a joint. I mean, don't get me wrong. I have no problems with people want to smoke weed. That's cool. But the government, okay, just remember this: the government has said drugs are bad. They have the DEA saying that drugs are bad and the DEA is prosecuted and currently in jail right now. There are thousands of people that have been in jail for weed violations, whether it be self-use or production or whatever, they're in jail for this. Now the government is willing to give you weed (laughs) if you just get the vaccine. Remember donuts for vaccines in New Jersey or uh, donuts for vaccines. New Jersey did beer New Jersey did beer for vaccines. Are you kidding me? Beer for vaccines? I don't know. I don't know. Never seen a drug promoter like this, but whatever. Hit the wrong button, people. Welcome back to Medically Unbiased. So, we've been talking about headlines. You know, when headlines are written, it seems like they're lying. And the news anchors are misleading us on purpose, right? So, June, a few weeks ago here in Nevada, there was a pool party, I guess. I wasn't invited. I'm sorry, I wasn't invited. People should have called me. I would have went... But there's a pool party consisting of healthcare workers from Sunrise Hospital. Again, I'm a little bit offended that I wasn't invited because I've worked at, you know, Sunrise. But anyway, that's fine. Whatever. I digress. So I'll just return the favor and not invite them to my Halloween party. I'm just kidding. Um, the following headline that I read about this is intentionally misleading. It reads, quote, eight vaccinated healthcare workers get COVID-19 at a pool party in Las Vegas. Okay, that sounds pretty weird. Eight vaccinated healthcare workers get COVID-19 at a pool party in Vegas. Um, so if you just read the headline, your mind goes to pool party Vegas. Well, okay, that sounds ominous. All right. And then they're vaccinated healthcare workers. What were they doing? So it, it seems mysterious, right? So it was published in The Hill on July 14th. Now, you got to read deeper into the article to really understand it because it states that there was 11 people who work at Sunrise and they were all at this pool party. Eight of the people were what they consider fully vaccinated. In other words, just like the CDC director said, they had both their shots or their one Johnson & Johnson shot. And they were all two weeks post their second shot. 
two of the 11 were partially vaccinated. Now, that means they got one of their shots, whether it be Moderna or Pfizer, they didn't say, but they two of the people got one shot, and one of the people was not vaccinated at all. They continue, at least 10 of the 11 employees who contracted the virus had the Delta variant. So wait a minute, I thought it was eight people got COVID, according to the headline. Remember the headline said eight vaccinated healthcare workers get COVID. Technically that's true, but they don't want to scare people. So they didn't say 10 out of 11 people who attended a pool party in Vegas got COVID. Like they don't say it that way. They don't say 10 healthcare workers were vaccinated and got COVID. They don't say that. That's a hundred percent, right? So the article goes on to say it's rare. Like literally this is the end of the article. It says, quote, it's rare for fully vaccinated individuals to contract the virus and extremely rare for individuals to get hospitalized or die from the virus if they were fully vaccinated. Now that's just whatever contradiction against the headline makes no sense. So what the article does not say is it doesn't say who was the only person that didn't get the Delta variant. Was it the unvaccinated? Because 10 people had either a vaccine or a partial vaccine. One person didn't. And then 10 people got COVID Delta. So was it the unvaccinated person? And my question is, is was the unvaccinated person, had they recovered from COVID? Are they purposefully not getting vaccinated because they feel they're healthcare workers, so maybe they have the data and they feel that being recovered is a better result, just like I said earlier, than actually getting the vaccine. I would, that's what I want to know. Nobody's asking that question. No one asked. They just post this up like, oh my God. Well, to, to the credit of the hospital, they did go back and do a really deep dive into the, to the vaccines that were delivered to these people because the hospital actually gave these people their vaccine. So the hospital did a deep dive into whether the meds were stored properly, what, you know, what uh, variant or what, you know, um, what I'm trying to say, Pfizer, Moderna, which one they received, if they were given in the right time frame, did they get the whole dose? Like there was a bunch of investigation to find out because that's a lot of people to get sick after having a vaccine in a short time, right? Like big group. But nobody mentioned masks in the article, so I guess it wasn't a mask problem there. It's only a mask problem if you're on an airplane, not at a pool, right? So if you're at a pool, masks are not necessary. Airplanes, they are, because COVID. So stupid. Anyway, the CNN article has a title that reads, this one's, this one's probably one of the best, and it comes out of last year, because... I found it and I would, I stumbled on it again and I have I had to bring it up today because it's so it's so creepy funny I don't even know how to explain it. Now, this was published April seventeenth of last year, twenty twenty, so it's over a year old, but it's very applicable today because of what's happening in social media and the news and everything else. It says Feds charged doctor who cited Trump to push hydroxychloroquine as miracle cure. That's the CNN article title. Okay. Now the title sounds like because the doctor liked Donald Trump, President Trump at the time, and he felt hydroxychloroquine was a cure, that he was arrested. Like that's what the article, the title of the article says. But what it doesn't say is none of that is why he was arrested. (laughs) This doofus, this doctor is a doofus. 
he was selling on a website, I guess, family packs, quote, family packs of hydroxychloroquine, azithromycin, and some anti-anxiety meds, IV drips, uh, and then you give access to a hyperbaric chamber. A family pack was $3,995. So he was price gouging, <laughs> price gouging families during a pandemic, one. Two, he was selling without doing a full assessment of a patient. He was selling um, antidepressants <laughs> and Viagra. Like Zan- he's in Xanax and Viagra, which is just weird combination, or through the mail. So the FBI went called him on his stuff, and they said, "Hey, I want to understand more about this." And so they recorded his conversation, and they recorded him saying that, um, the guaranteed not to get COVID, and if you do get COVID, it'll heal you instantly. Blah blah blah. All this random shit that we know isn't true. Again, I said. Hydroxychloroquine helps. It doesn't prevent. It doesn't cure. It's not the answer. It just helps, according to the studies, right? We know that now. So the FBI followed up and went to his place and called him out on all this stuff. Anyway, they arrested him. But what did they arrest him for? They arrested him for mail fraud. Mail fraud. Nothing to do with COVID at all. Nothing to do with hydroxychloroquine. They arrested him and charged him with mail fraud. Now, they could have probably charged him with more. Probably eventually will charge him with more because he's an idiot. But if you just read the headline, then you believe that he was arrested for believing Trump and believing that hydroxychloroquine was a cure. That's why he was arrested. You have to read the whole article because these people are intentionally, intentionally lying to you. It's, it's insane. I don't even know what to say anymore it's so weird okay let's listen to this clip because it's important and then we'll talk about it last month in maryland 130 people died of covid none of them had been vaccinated what's happening here is part of a much larger national trend nearly all new covid hospitalizations and deaths are among individuals who've not had their shots so 130 people died last month in maryland that's sad. I mean, I don't want to hear about anyone dying. I feel bad. But let's put what she said into perspective here, okay? Cancer deaths in the U.S. are high. Each year, the American Cancer Society has to estimate the numbers of new cancer cases and deaths, and it compiles all of the most recent data on population-based cancer occurrences, okay? Currently, 2017 which is four years ago, is the most recent year for which the incidence of mortality and data are even available. The data lags two to four years behind the current year because of the time required for proper data collection. They have to compile the information, assess it, and the quality control and disseminate all of it out to the respective information centers. So therefore, the American Cancer Society projects the numbers of new cases based on historical data, new population numbers, new infection rates, average. So they already went through and did projections for 2021, right? So the methodology for calculating contemporary cases of deaths was revised for 2021 to take advantage of advanced statistics and modeling and improved cancer registration coverage. Now, just let's just think about that for a minute. It takes the can, the American cancer society is huge. 
They know a lot about cancer. They've been treating cancer for many years. It still takes them to accurately give you numbers and data two to four years. So you're two to four years behind where COVID information is available instantaneously, which is just baffling to me. But anyway, I digress. We'll continue. So according to the American Cancer Society, they estimate that 11,010 people will die of cancer in Maryland this year. That's 917 people a month. 917 people a month. So, yet they're offended and blown away and using the element of fear that 130 people died from COVID when eight times that many will die from cancer alone. Now, I just compared cancer. I didn't compare heart disease or diabetes or stroke. I just compared cancer. So they're freaking out about COVID, yet there's 917 people going to die, projected to die from cancer. So, yeah, I don't, I don't understand. It just doesn't make sense. So over the course of last year, we have had many changed narratives. First, it was the number dead, right? Oh, my God, number of people dying, and that went up exponentially. And now it's the number infected. And why is doses delivered a metric? So now we worry about how many doses were delivered. So instead of it being about the number of dead still, which is a you know big number, it was a big number, has been a big number. Like we're worried now about how many people just got it, just infected, not dead, just infected period. How many people have it? And then that number is irrelevant because we don't use that metric to say, oh, well, if you know, too many people got and recovered from COVID and we've you know, given vaccines to 60 million people, then that's 62 million people. Like That number isn't included in the protected group. They just don't have vaccines. So now it's either you've had COVID or you've been vaccinated. That's the only two metrics that matter, right? So I think this, this clip explains perfectly. Like, we did it! I, I don't want to be raining on your parade. You're not going to live forever. I'm not stupid, Lucius. No one lives forever. No one. Nobody. Nobody lives forever. Advances in modern science, my high-level income. I mean, it's not crazy to think I can't live to be 245, maybe 300. Heck, I just read in the newspaper they put a pig heart in some guy from Russia. You know what? I mean, you know what that means? No, I don't know what that means. I guess longer life. Well, no, he didn't live. Oh, he didn't live. No. Oh. It's just okay. exciting that we're trying things like that. Yeah. So, yeah, we're trying things like that. That's the funny part, right? Come on, people. Think think here for just a moment. I, I implore you, I beg of you to think about this. We went from number of deaths to number of cases to, oh, we need to give everyone vaccinated to doses delivered instead of how many are vaccinated. Like, everything's been pared either down to make, instead of, we vaccinated a million people or 10 million people, whatever the number is we vaccinated instead of that number, it's we've delivered this many doses to make it sound greater. Right? So instead of me paying $2 for a hot dog, I paid 200 cents for a hot dog. Right? makes me sound richer because I paid 200 of something instead of $2. It's simply changing the way we speak and it's absolutely stupid. So the question of, whether it should be vaccinated or not, or should be recovered or natural immunity 
has always been a question. Well, Jen uh, Pisaki, who or I call I say Pisaki because uh, there's a P in it. Um, I think that's how she says it. Pisaki, Jen Saki. They say Saki, but there's a PA, so I don't know. It's got to be Pisaki. Anyway, so Jen Pisaki has this video. This video came out, and it kind of went viral on a bunch of different websites, and people were saying both sides of the argument. They were saying, oh, my God, the government's going door to door, and then they were saying, they need to to help you. It's for COVID. So this was the this was the clip. In more healthcare settings and respond to hotspots. The president will outline five areas his team is focused on to get more Americans vaccinated. One, uh, targeted community by community door to door outreach to get remaining Americans vaccinated by ensuring they have the information they need on how both safe and accessible the vaccine is. Now, she only said both on how safe and accessible it is. She didn't say anything about potential side effects. No other drug on the planet has a commercial on 24-hour repeat that doesn't explain side effects. Your uh, birth control pill talks about side effects. And there's most commercials, if you look at a medicine commercial today, I don't care what medication it is, half of the commercial is listing the side effects, the potential side effects. They're not guaranteed to happen to you. May cause drowsiness, irritability, bowel problems. Like diarrhea, nausea, vomiting, stroke. Like it may cause all these things. It says that in the commercial. You'll hear a big, long, drawn out, you know, in a 30 second spot commercial, there's 15 seconds of side effects, you know? Not the vaccine. Nope. They're going to go door to door. So am I on a list? That's my question. Am I on a list of people who've, um, who've got the vaccine. I think, I think so. I would, I, cause I did get the vaccine, but I got it because of work. But are you on a list? If you didn't, are you on a list? That's, uh, it's kind of, that's kind of scary. Remember, you gotta remember you got, you know, they've done studies, you know, 60% of the time it works every time. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> so again, this is telling me that uh, that's a problem, right? Why can't they talk about the negatives? But they're going to go knock on your door and make sure that you know all the information. I'm telling you, this is the number one topic in America. Unemployment is no longer a problem or not a topic. It's a problem, but it's no longer a topic. Wars. We're, we got a war against the unvaccinated right now. That's the war, right? So there's that's the topic. The, everyone knows. The freaking vaccine... Drive down the street. There's billboards. There's signs over fucking highways that tell you vaccines, get vaccinated, COVID, blah, blah. There's billboards everywhere. Every pharmacy from here to New York has, you know, a billboard or a marquee out in front of it that says COVID vaccination is available here. Go to your grocery store. If it's got a pharmacy in it, they'll say COVID vaccination is being given today. Everyone knows that it's available and everyone knows it doesn't cost them anything. Everyone knows it's free, right? Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. It jumped up a notch. It did, didn't it? I mean, if they're going to be going door to door, that's, that's true. It will get out of hand fast. They don't need, it doesn't make sense. They don't need to go door to door. And as you may or may not know from listening to the show in the past, I personally am completely fine with conspiracy theories. I think conspiracy theories drive discussion about 
something. So I'm fine with it, but I'm always eager to debunk them as well because that means that we're getting to the root of the problem or answering the question. So debunking the idea that there's a list of people who have not been received a vaccine and the government has that list and is now going to come talk to you is getting harder to disprove, especially when this door-to-door talk coming directly from the White House. She's the spokesperson. So a political article recently said that Kevin Munoz, who's another White House spokesperson, says we are steadfastly committed to keeping politics out of the effort to get every American vaccinated so that we can save lives and help our economy further recover. When we see deliberate efforts to spread misinformation, we view that as an impediment to the country's public health and will not shy away from calling that out. Okay, so, unquote. Um, What about, I keep asking this question, what about those who have recovered from COVID? Natural immunity, is that even going to be given or discussed in the U.S.? In Israel, their medical teams have concluded that natural immunity is better in people who are vaccinated, even against new versions of the dreaded Delta variant. So, for instance, they say that 40% of current COVID infections were previously vaccinated people, while only 1% of currently infected are those who previously had COVID. Hmm... Seems like the vaccine isn't as good as actually having had the virus and recovering. Remember, I'm old enough to remember when our parents made us play with other kids who had chicken pox, even if we didn't like that kid. You know, even if the kid was kind of, you know, sticky and you never wanted to hang out with that kid at school or whatever, your parents would make you go play with them because they got chicken pox and they wanted you to get chicken pox so you'd recover. Measles, mumps, like similar, but... Now there's a vaccine for chicken pox. My kids got it and everyone gets it. So, you know, don't get them. But again, (laughs) this is a hilarious part of this is that if people have previously been infected, they already have immunity. So we're not testing for immunity. We're just saying either you're vaccinated or you're not. That's the only way you can do this. No, that's bullshit. That's, That's not scientific. So... Uh, yeah, kind of scary that they're going to be going door to door and that these people say that they're, you're spreading, according to Kevin Munoz, you're deliberately spreading misinformation. Really? Deliberate misinformation? Because it doesn't agree with your narrative? Because it doesn't agree with your items? That's pretty crazy. And the reason I know that this is even more, getting more and more scary for me as a human being, not as a practitioner but just as someone who believes in the right for all americans to choose their doctor to choose their medical treatment to make informed decisions i feel that having a counterpoint or not hearing a second opinion and everyone having the same repetitive opinion puts you in a position to not actually be informed because now you're just following along so Again, Jen Saki in a press conference talked about things they're doing to 
prevent misinformation, and it's kind of scary. In terms of actions, Alex, that uh, we have taken or we're working to take, I should say, from the federal government, uh, we've increased uh, disinformation research and tracking uh, within the Surgeon General's office. We're flagging problematic posts for Facebook uh, that spread disinformation. We're working with doctors and medical professionals to connect uh, to connected medical experts with popular with popular who are popular with their audiences with uh, with accurate information and boost trusted content. So they are literally in cahoots with Facebook. And if you go on Facebook and you question the vaccines or you question uh, a medical treatment against COVID, or you say that my mom would have lived if she had received hydroxychloroquine and then you get a fact check or you get that little comment above the post that says this may not be accurate that's being done by our federal government. That's scary. Now, the federal government's not allowed to censor speech because that's speech, right? That's a form of speech. The First Amendment doesn't allow them to do that. I hate to make this a political or a legal podcast because it's medical, but guess what? You have the right to privacy of your medical information when it comes to you doing something. If you get... Breast augmentation, nobody has to know. If you get liposuction, nobody's allowed to know. No one has to know unless you tell them. Your doctor cannot go around, yep, that person got this and that person got that and this person was treated for herpes and this person has AIDS. No, you can't do that. It's illegal. I can't even tell you if they're in the hospital. So (laughs) why is it that these people are going around and shunning or preventing discussion that's scary it's a scary thought right so if you wanted to get a pacemaker and you didn't feel you needed it but your cardiologist says you definitely need it and you just want a second opinion like you're not convinced so you go to another doctor and that other doctor says well i think you could you would do well with a pacemaker that would be beneficial then guess what you're probably going to do a pacemaker but if if you heard a second opinion that was against it, you would be willing to listen to both sides, weigh the odds, make an informed decision. You're an adult. You can go serve in the military. You can fire a rifle. You can drive a car. You can vote for president or vice president. Why can you not make an informed decision about your own medical treatments moving forward? No, no, no. Government says no. You are not allowed, people. You're not allowed to see that information. We're going to censor it. So if it's on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, now they're going to promote purposefully. They're going to go out of their way to promote content that they deem accurate. So they're going to promote doctors who agree with them and that have a large following on Facebook and Twitter. They're going to find a way to boost that content, she says. That's funny. Because uh, that's manipulation. The same thing that they're accusing the rest of the world of doing in manipulating, whether it be your vote or manipulating ideas, this is straight up communism, if you think about it. How you think, how you function, how you're able to react and interact with other people. It's not, this isn't rational. This is scary stuff. So I would... I implore everyone who's listening to pay attention and um, 
make sure that you're able to make your own decisions when it comes to this stuff. Okay? You need to know that you're allowed to say no. You don't have to do something. But maybe this is going to come a time where you have to. <laughs> it's scary. Medically unbiased. So recently, you know, a friend of mine posted an article from USA Today on Facebook. And the article read that J&J, which is Johnson & Johnson, and AstraZeneca may alter vaccines because of rare blood clots. That's the title of the headline of the article they posted. And a link to the article. So... And that's true. That was that's actually what's happening because there's been some blood clot issues and they're questioning whether that's happening. But what's funny or scary, funny scary, is that the article was posted on Facebook and it was blocked with a warning stating that COVID-19 vaccines go through many tests for safety and effectiveness and are then monitored closely. The source was the WHO. So why was that post from an article in the USA Today newspaper, which was not wrong, covered with pseudo-warning from Facebook. Again, it's this war on misinformation or disinformation, depending on who you talk to. But misinformation is defined as false or inaccurate information, especially which that is deliberately intended to deceive. But people are asking questions of the current narrative, not spreading false info. So we're just asking questions. People are writing memes and memes are being fact checked. Uh, I've never seen this level of suppression of open discussion in my life on any medical topic. So remember a while back there was a, I don't remember how long ago it was. There was this article came out and a doctor that actually lost his license. And he said that vaccines caused autism. People touted him as the second coming and, Thank you for saving all these, you know, autistic children and your stuff is amazing. But then it looked, found out that he lied about it, right? So he lied about saying that vaccine, his research was flawed. His data was corrupted. He purposely misled society. So that was all pulled down. But at no time did any of that information get suppressed. People still today will say vaccines cause autism and you don't see a fact check go up on their page or on their information, right? When vaccines don't cause, they've shown they don't cause autism. But people still believe it, right? People will still believe that to this day. And you know what? They're entitled to that belief because when things happen, you need an explanation for why your child is autistic and it's got to be difficult. I don't know. My child's not, so I can't even begin to understand the level of fear and anxiety that comes over a parent. So I'm not sitting here disallowing their belief. If they want to believe that and they feel that's the case, then they, by all means, they have the right to do that, right? But there's no fact check 
coming for them. There's no suppression of their opinion or of their discussion of the medical review. There is with COVID being funded by the White House, being suppressed. All your secondary comments out there are being suppressed. And this was an article out of a newspaper, a well-respected newspaper that had data to back it up. So health officials in the Johnson Johnson vaccine state that they may pose a small risk for a rare nerve condition. Um, poor Johnson and Johnson. They were coming out as a single dose. They're supposed to be really good, but they got squashed early. And then they came back again because of all these blood clots and these issues um, and these deaths. Uh, so they have, according to the CDC, Johnson Johnson now has a small possible risk of Guillain-Barre, which is an autoimmune disorder, causes like muscle weakness and paralysis, but um, supposedly has seen 100 reports of individuals contracting Guillain-Barre after receiving the J&J or Johnson & Johnson vaccine. Now that's out of 12.8 million doses, so the number is really small, right? 100 people sucks. But you're 12.8 million. Again, low, low risk. However, I like that Johnson & Johnson is even being told or maybe they're suggesting that this gets posted, whatever, to prevent lawsuits later. It's pretty much why anyone does anything anymore. They don't want to get sued. So when you look at this, that's great. But you don't hear anything on any other like vaccines. And did you notice, just a side note here, when the vaccines were like going full tilt, like everyone was getting vaccinated, the minute it stopped, if you look at the minute people stopped getting vaccinated or the numbers really dropped off, you look at a graph of drop-off of vaccinations is when Johnson & Johnson got pulled from the market for those two or three weeks. So when they got pulled from the market, vaccinations dropped off exponentially. Like nobody's following what the government's saying because the government doesn't have a consistent concise message they're all over the map and it's freaky so and as far as i can tell from my research on all these fact checking people but i haven't seen one fact checker that i've looked into that's actually a scientist so and they're not supplying any facts that are contradictory to the fact checks right so they just want to state that this is nonsense again this goes to the reading of the headline without reading the substance that's under the headline. So they'll, and Fauci does it too. So we're going to talk about him in a minute. But they post this headline that says this is this is a lie. But they never dispute the lie. They just say it's a lie. And then they go on, like the one, I, the one I used for explanation when I was explaining this to my wife, as I said, it's as if when, when uh, Paul Revere said the British are coming, Someone said, uh-uh, not all the British are coming. Only a couple of them. Not the whole country, dude. Like, you're lying. You're making it up. You're wrong. Fact check. So, yeah, she thinks I'm weird, too. Um, <laughs> But uh, I've been asked to discuss the Fauci emails. And let's discuss those. Because... I, there's 3,000 plus emails, and I've read, I've literally read over 500 of them. Now, that doesn't mean that there's a lot of detail in them. There's a lot of redacted material in his emails. Um, in fact, most of them are redacted. 
uh, some are entirely redacted with no name, no message, no subject line, nothing. Um, and all of it's redacted under this national security, you know, thing. But an email with Mark Zuckerberg of Facebook was nearly completely redacted. I wonder why. Well, now that was back then. And then Jen says, Saki says that they're working with Facebook to squash. So was that part of it? Was that in the email? I don't know. It's been redacted. Um, Maybe that collaborative effort between the federal government and Facebook was explained in the email. Who knows? I I can't. But there's a Republican uh, congressman named Jim Jordan from Ohio, I guess. And he posted a video about a couple weeks ago that really scrutinized Fauci's emails. And the clip is long, so I'll play parts of it and we'll talk about it. But um, it's important because of what of what he says, of what what Fau- what he assesses of Fauci's emails. And know, know that I don't know that I agree everything with what he's saying, but it is interesting the way he lays this out. So let's get Friday, this. January 31st, 2020 at 1032 PM. Dr. Fauci gets an email from Christian Anderson. Christian Anderson's a British researcher who's received numerous grants from NIH. Two really important sentences are in that email. Two sentences that get Dr. Fauci's attention. The first is this, the unusual features of the virus make up a really small part of the genome. So one has to look really closely at all the sequences to see that some of the features look engineered. Again, now, Fauci's receiving this email, and it's another scientist, and he says that some of the features look engineered, right? So Fauci received this email, and he responds. And this is January 31st, 2020. So this is a year ago. This is two months before he goes on CNN and says masks aren't required, and when he's saying that it didn't come from a lab leak, it still doesn't. Anyway. Second sentence. Eddie, Bob, Mike, and myself all find the genome inconsistent with expectations from evolutionary theory. Email arrives 1032 to Dr. Fauci on January 31st, 2020. This is 10 p.m., 1032 p.m. in January of 2020, and the email says that it's inconsistent with evolutionary biology. It didn't happen. In other words, this couldn't have happened from a bat being eaten or whatever. Two hours later, two hours later at 1229 in the morning, Dr. Fauci sends an email to his top deputy, Mr. Hugh Oshenkloss. Guys, worked for Fauci for 15 years, part of his inner circle, sends it, subject line says important in all capital letters. He, he attaches a paper on gain of function research written by Dr. Barrick. And Dr. She, Dr. She, of course, is the so-called bat lady, bat woman, the lady who does research in the Wuhan China lab. This. So Fauci is sending the email to the Jim Jordan here calls him a deputy. I think he's an employee, <laughs> an assistant to Dr. Fauci, not a deputy. I think that's a little just like aggressively descriptive. But anyway, he says that he sends him, he sends this gentleman this email at 1230 in the morning. The title of the subject line is important. It's in bold. It's in all caps. Important. And then Fauci attaches a study from Wuhan lab with from Batwoman, Dr. Xi. Email Dr. Fauci says again to his top deputy, it is essential that we speak this AM. Keep your cell phone on. Read this paper. You will have tasks to do today. 
that must be done. Notice the intensity. Notice the focus. I mean, this is the house is on fire email here. No, I don't believe this is the house on fire email, but it is interesting that he's up at 1230 at night sending emails in January for a virus that he didn't think was really a thing and wasn't going to come to the U.S. and wasn't a problem. At the time, if you go back, if you remember, I didn't pull the clips, but if you wanted to, you could pull the clips and you could see that he said, yeah, this isn't going to be a thing. It's not going to come to the U.S. It's not going to be a problem. So let's continue. Now, two hours after that, at 2.48 in the morning, Dr. Fauci's busy this morning, 12.29, that email he sent to Dr. Oshenklaas, his top deputy, two hours later at 2.48 in the morning, he sends another email, this one to Robert Cadlick, assistant HHS secretary, Trump appointee, not part of his inner circle, and he attaches a different article to this email, one that says the virus came from an animal that downplays any lab leak theory. Now, again, notice the tone of this one. Now, he sent a different article to this gentleman, the director of Health and Human Services, who's not part of Fauci's group or circle or friendly with Fauci at all. Bob, this just came out today. Gives a balanced view. Best, Tony. Now, when Jim Jordan's reading these emails, these aren't, they're being read and looked at. So, again, a lot can get lost in a text message or an email. A lot of aggression or influctuation can be interpreted or implied. And that's what Jim Jordan's doing here. So, Jim Jordan is not, you know, stupid. He's trying to manipulate it for his benefit. I get that. However, the information, like Fauci could just say, hey, to the previous email, he could just say, hey, man, keep your phone on this morning. You had a lot to do today. Um, just, you know, he could have been told not keep your phone on. There's a lot to do. Got to be aggressive and blah, blah, blah. No, he could have just literally been saying, and I'm not defending Fauci, but I am defending the fact that we don't know what his state of mind was when he was sending this email. It's written word. So we have to interpret it. And everyone's going to interpret it their own way. They're going to interpret it based on their feelings and emotions. So he might have been saying, hey, Hugh, uh, you got read this article so that you're up on the inform essentially so that you're up on the information that's going to be discussed. You got a lot of tasks to do today, just reminding you, you got a lot going on. So get with me later. Uh, make sure you get your phone on so I can call you if I need you. Like it could have been that, right? Instead of uh, how Jim Jordan represented it, like, Hugh, keep your phone on. A lot of tasks to do today. You know, very important. Um, who knows? I mean, it might have been not that. Anyway. Totally different from the previous. This is one like, oh, if you get a chance, read this. Gives a balanced view. So the tone is different. But also that sentence, gives a balanced view. It's not true either. That's just not accurate. This article downplays, as I said, the lab leak theory emphasizes evolution. Now, the other part here that we have to critique is that we don't know if Fauci had a phone conversation with that gentleman from HHS and then and described what the previous email was about and then used this email as the follow-up to that phone conversation. Have you ever done that? I mean, I've done that. You talk to somebody on the phone and then you send them an email. Hey, just as a, this gives a balanced review of what we were talking about. You know, that's, that's rational. So I have a hard time feeling like saying that, this is the smoking gun where Fauci knew. But then again, 
I do like conspiracy theories. Evolutionary cause to the virus. What happens next? What happens next? Later that same morning. Later that same morning at 11.47 a.m., Dr. Fauci's deputy gets back to him. I just want to read you this whole email. The paper you sent me, the one he sent him on that was written by the virologist. Now, this is important because this is Hugh responding to Dr. Fauci at 11 a.m. hours after, essentially 12 hours, 10 hours, 11 hours, excuse me, after he received that email from Dr. Fauci. He's responding back about the paper he received. So here's what he says. From Wuhan, China and Dr. Barrick, the paper you sent me says the experiments were performed before the gain of function pause, but have since been reviewed and approved by NIH. Not sure what that means since Emily, someone else who works for Dr. Fauci is sure that no coronavirus work has gone through the P3 framework, which of course is the oversight body that's supposed to approve any grant dollars going for gain of function. Now, Know that Fauci did not directly fund gain-of-function research. He actually funded Peter Daszak's group. And Peter Daszak's group secondarily funded gain-of-function research. Then, after all this happened and the virus started, the pandemic became the pandemic, all funding was to EcoHealth, which is Peter Daszak's group, was summarily canceled as of April 2020. So all of the research funding that Peter Daszak was given by the U.S. or was consistently receiving by the U.S. was now shut off as of April 2020. But at the time, Peter Daszak was funding to the tune of $600,000 in grants to Wuhan from his company. And his company was being funded by the National Institutes of Health and the National Institutes of Allergy and Immunology, which is where Fauci's over. So, again, this is what the background is there. Research, no coronavirus work has gone through the P3 framework. Final sentence, she will try to determine if we have any distant ties to this work abroad. She- so they're already trying to figure out if they have any potential risk here. So it seemed like Fauci knew that there was possibility of risk for him in this situation. There's a possibility that he could be listed as guilty of funding gain-of-function research because the Obama administration, you know, said it was not something they wanted to fund. And Trump, I think, refunded it or allowed it to be refunded in 2017. So in 2014, it was stopped. And then it was back to okay to do in 2017. So if, if this was funded by a Trump administration... Why would the media not be like, Trump did it, Trump? So something else is going on here. doesn't make sense. Um, but then five days ago on the 20th, there was a hearing with Fauci. And so him and Rand Paul, who Rand Paul is, I guess, senator from Kentucky, they don't seem to get along. I don't think they're buying each other coffee. They're not going to each other's pool party. They're not talking, whatever. But Rand Paul really rattled Fauci in this meeting and let me i'm going to play this for you dr fauci knowing that it is a crime to lie to congress do you wish to retract your statement of may 11th where you claimed that the nih never funded gain-of-function research in wuhan senator paul i have never lied before the congress and i do not retract that statement this paper that you are referring to was judged by qualified staff up and down the chain as not 
being gain of function. So what was? Let me finish. Qualified staff up and down the chain, whatever that means. Whoever that is, there's qualified people that have judged the paper that Rand Paul has submitted to Fauci as being funded by the NIH and as being gain of function. So let's continue. Let me finish. You take an animal virus and you increase its transmissibility to humans. Right. You're saying that's not gain of function? Yeah, that is correct. So now in this clip here, Fauci is changing, summarily changing the definition of gain of function. And Rand Paul calls him on it. Rand Paul says, wait a minute, your own, your own definition is this. And Rand Paul missteps when he speaks, but it's pretty funny. Senator Paul, you do not know what you are talking about, quite oh, yeah. frankly. And I- <laughs> Fauci just goes after him. You don't know what you're talking about. You don't know. What you- and I like that on the record. See. Frankly, and I want to say that officially, you do not know what you are talking about. Let's okay, you get NIH. one person. Let's read from the NIH definition of gain of function. This is your definition that you guys wrote. It says that scientific research that increases the transmissibility among mammals is gain of function. They took animal viruses that only occur in animals and they increase their transmissibility to humans. How you can say that is not gain of function. It is not. It's a dance and you're <laughs> dancing around this because you're trying to. So Rand Paul's correct. It is a dance. He's, he's dancing around the definition, but that is the definition of gain of function. Um, Increasing its transmissibility to humans from animals and changing the way it's gaining function. <laughs> uh, yeah, Fauci is very upset in this video. If you're why, if you watch the video, or if you've watched the video, you'll see he's physically shaking. He is so upset. Um, he's his hands are shaking like never before, almost as if he has Parkinson's. Um, he's got a little rubber band on his left hand and he keeps snapping that rubber band kind of to maybe calm him down. That's what's been assessed by other people. Uh, you know, that's that rubber band is giving, making him calm, but he's very angry right now at, uh, at Rand Paul. And I think if the two could just put some boxing gloves on and go to a ring, it might solve some questions anyway trying to obscure responsibility for four million people dying around the world from a pandemic now Rand paul there (laughs) assigns blame to fauci for killing everybody with covid that one statement is a blanket assertion that they were doing gain of function research it was funded by the nih and now because all these people died of covid the four million people died of covid it's fauci's fault that's essentially what he said in that short little thing and fauci takes exception to this unless that's in dr fauci i have to well now you're getting into something if the point that you are making is that the the, the grant that was funded as a sub award from eco health to wuhan created sars cov2 now hold on a minute Fauci just admits that he's well aware of the fact that he funded EcoHealth and EcoHealth secondarily funded research at the Wuhan lab. He just said it in the congressional hearing. So we can figure that's pretty much fact. He, he's been aware of it. He knows. Two, 
That's where you are getting. Let me finish. We don't know. Well, we don't wait know a minute. It did I come can, from the lab, but you, all the evidence is pointing that it came from the lab. You, and there will be responsibility for those who funded the right. lab, including yourself. So Rand Paul is correct here in stating, well, there's two things that happened there. Rand Paul is correct in stating that uh, he's going to dig into this and find out who funded it. And he feels that Fauci is responsible for funding part of it and knows it. The also, also, the second part is the straw man fallacy that's been created by Fauci. Fauci doesn't like where Rand Paul is taking this discussion. So he turns it around and he says, what you were saying, sir, is this. And then he restates, incorrectly, he restates Rand Paul's argument. And Rand Paul keeps him on task. He goes, well, I don't know that that happened. I'm saying we need to investigate it. So Fauci is trying to formulate the argument to fit his narrative. And it's almost like he's caught. Deer in the headlights caught. When you look at the video, he looks scared and angry at the same time. He's very upset. He's a very upset individual here. As any other time, he's being touted as like the second coming and this time, Rand Paul's whole, I mean, this has been going on. This is like the third time they've, they've battled um, in Congress. But it's pretty remarkable. Let's continue. I totally This committee resent, will allow the witness to respond. I totally resent the lie that you are now propagating, Senator, because if you look at the viruses that were used in the experiments that were given in the annual reports that were published in the literature, it is molecularly impossible. No one's saying those it, viruses it is, caused it. It no is, is molecularly. Those viruses caused the pandemic. What we're alleging is that gain of function research was going on in that lab and NIH funded. So Fauci wants to argue semantics. He wants to argue that the viruses that were supplied by the U.S. and EcoHealth and the funding that was supplied by EcoHealth through the U.S that the stuff that was done and the gain of function research was done, the two viruses that they're talking about didn't create SARS-CoV-2. Well, that's not what Rand Paul's asking about. And that's where the straw man comes in is that another straw man comes in is because Fauci's trying to twist the narrative here. He's saying that those two, those viruses weren't even involved. Well, okay, right. They weren't, but did you fund gain of function research period? Did you fund at all did you fund that research that's not what i don't care about these two viruses you could have done you know anything with those two viruses but did you fund the research that's all that matters here and fauci knows that's all that matters but he keeps arguing and twisting the narrative to fit so you know Rand paul really has him caught off guard here i think um and is really pushing this narrative hard in fact Rand paul has went on in another interview and in, in an article i read that he's gonna ask the department of justice to seek uh whether it be chart i remember if i said charges or an investigation into this they won't do it they're part of the political system but the point here is that we need to know right do we we should know and fauci should be held accountable if he did anything wrong i don't know that he did anything wrong i don't know that you know there was a problem on his end i think it was a problem on the wuhan lab and but if we were as americans were involved in the creation of this i think we probably 
have some explaining to do. NIH funded it. That you is can't not get away from it. It meets your definition, and you are obfuscating the truth. I'm not obfuscating the truth. You are the one. <laughs> so, <laughs> Fauci comes back with the "I'm I'm not a jerk. You're a jerk" attitude, and it's just funny because he's wrong. He's caught. So, you know, whatever you believe, you believe uh, Fauci's walking on water and amazing, or if he. It, it was lying and did things wrong. I don't know, but I'm telling you that I think Fauci has some knowledge of potential culpability here, and he doesn't want to admit it. So whatever, don't admit it, but we need to hold his feet to the fire. You know, he's been running around forever saying, look how amazing we are. Look how amazing their group did. Look what we did. I'm I'm awesome. You're not. I don't know. It's kind of kind of goofy. The emails themselves are just a bunch of. There's a whole lot of stuff that's open in the emails where it's, hey, good to hear from you. Good luck. I hope you do fine. Like it's boring, boring, boring stuff. Um, it's really good to read when I wanted to go to sleep. Anyway, um, there's no. I don't see any real big smoking guns in his emails because. I think the bigger question is why is everything redacted? So the stuff that's redacted, if it's truly for, you know, what do they say for national security? What's he doing with national security secrets at the NIA? I don't know. Something doesn't make sense. I don't think it's for national security. I think it's because they didn't want to admit that they're going to spy on Americans to manipulate your opinion, your medical opinion about what's going on. So, because what happened to your ability to, like, have your medical record sealed or make medical decisions or speak with your doctor or make an opinion? That's the, that's the scary part to this whole series here is that that stuff's being manipulated. Um, so, your ability to enjoy discreet and private medical care is now a thing of the past. Um, what, what if you had to prove that you had a vasectomy? Before you could get married so that you don't overpopulate the world. Ooh, that's scary. What if you had to prove that you were not on your period so you could fly? You weren't menstruating. You can fly if you're not menstruating, but you have to prove it. Uh, that's what we're asking here. That's We're asking for Americans to prove their medical condition. And then... We don't even know that's going to... Papers, please. I've heard that comment from friends of mine. Um, The German papers, please comment. I think it actually probably came from a movie, but whatever. Uh, It might have been real. I don't know if they said that or not. I wasn't there. I don't know. I don't speak to people who survived the Holocaust. God bless them that they did. It was horrible. I'm not advocating for that to come back, but I'm saying that I don't know that that's what's going to be said, but I do know that the government wants to go door to door and ask you if you've been vaccinated, it seems. Or maybe they just got a list of who hasn't been. So they're going to come to my house and they're going to be like, well, your wife hasn't been vaccinated and your kids haven't been vaccinated. So we're going to do something to you. Like what, I, what does this look like? It's kind of scary when you think about it. Um, so I'll admit that I'm not here with answers to these questions. I'm not, I don't have answers. I just have a lot of questions. I have a ton of them. But if we don't ask questions and seek answers, then we'll never get an answer, right? So I would ask of you as the listener to ask questions. Ask them of yourself. 
your friends, the government, ask questions, even ask your doctors. Don't, don't just take stuff at face value. Ask the why. Use those critical thinking skills that you have and think about the why. Why is this happening? Where is this going? What's going on? So I'll leave you, so we don't leave on a, you know, a grim note here. I'm going to leave you, last but not least, uh, on a good note, right? So about six months ago, I told you about a story about a doctor in Texas. And at the time, he was providing vaccinations, and he had opened a bottle of vaccine. Now, each of these bottles contains, I don't remember, it's like five or six doses of the vaccine or 10 doses, 12, I don't remember. It's, it's multiple doses per bottle. And at the time, at the time, he ended up with extra doses because he only dosed one person and it was a full bottle and you can't put that back in the freezer to be refrozen. Once it's been reconstituted and it's thawed, you have to use it. So anyway, so he, he went door to door at the time and offered people the, the vaccine. He called friends of his, he called people he knew he wanted to use up what was at the time a hot commodity and in limited supply. So he wanted to vaccinate as many people as he could and not waste the doses. He was subsequently arrested and charged with um, theft of medication and he lost his ability to practice medicine for a short time. Now, recently, last week, he was found not guilty. Um, he gave these meds free of charge, by the way. He didn't charge anybody to do it. He took his own time and his own money to do it. He could have just easily said, you know what? No one else is coming in the clinic today. I'm going to throw this in the garbage. Good luck to everybody. Have a nice day. And nobody would have said anything to him. But he thought outside the box. He went door to door. He knocked on people's doors. He asked them if they wanted that. He showed his credentials. He was very helpful. And he was able to help get the vaccination thing started for four or five or six people, whatever he did. And to get them on the road to get in the vaccine, which is what the whole country is freaking out about now. So anyway, the grand jury came back and said that he was not guilty. Um, and he was acquitted of his theft charges of trying to administer this expiring COVID vaccine. So, But his reputation suffered. He spent a ton of money on lawyer fees. And he was so stressed that he stopped working every day. He was working six, seven days a week in this ER and now he only works a couple days a week um, because of the amount of stress that he's living under because of what happened to him. So now you took a, a beautifully brilliant, amazing doctor who was doing a great thing and you squashed them, you squashed him and he's no longer able to perform at his level because people who are not in power to actually make these decisions and not able to do what the job he was doing, put him under a microscope and lied about him and said he was stealing stuff. Like, it's absolute BS. So, now, he goes on, ironically, to say that that door-to-door method that he was doing at the time wouldn't work today. Um, But that's not stopping the White House. They're still going to go knock on your door, I guess. So... Anyway, I hope you enjoyed the show. I hope you enjoyed the new intro. I'm trying to change things around. We'll call this season two, the beginning of season two. <laughs> and, uh, you know, stay in touch. Check us up on Twitter. Hit me with an email at info at medicallyunbiased.com. And hopefully we'll get Ron back here soon so he can uh, critique all of my thoughts. Uh, 
You guys have a good one. Enjoy your weekend and uh, look forward to talking to you later. You've been listening to Medically Unbiased. Visit our website at medicallyunbiased.com. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at Medically Unbiased. Listening to this podcast does not create a doctor-patient relationship. The Medically Unbiased podcast is for general information purposes only. Thanks for listening.